there's simply no one like Jesus. No one like him. I mean, when you think about who he is, what he's done, what you've read about him, um, what he did for people, and then personally what he's done for those of us who know him personally as Savior and as Lord, there's simply no one like him. I mean, when you look at the world today and, and you read news, you watch television, you see that our world has problems. Um, as a matter of fact, if you look at our world today, even over the last couple of years, it seems like things continue to get worse. Um, there's more division than there's ever been, more hatred toward people than there's ever been. You hear of wars in just about every country on earth, on every continent, more so than there's ever been. Um, people don't appreciate people, one another, if you think about it. It's, it's quick. Uh, people are quick to be prideful, arrogant, not listen, put someone else down or put them in their place so that they can build themselves up. When you look at our world, we have a lot of problems. And there's simply no one like Jesus to fix them. When you go through scripture and you look at the life of Christ, there's no one else like Jesus, not one single person. I mean, there are leaders in the world. There are figures of people in the world who have done good things and we appreciate them for their accomplishments, perhaps their teachings, um, perhaps the way that they help others. But to help others, to give your life to save their souls and forgive their sins, even when they hate you, even when they turn against you, to do that for those who doubt you, don't believe in you, despise you, turn against you in their mind, in their heart, in their soul, and with their strength, and to still give your life for those people. Oh, and by the way, to take it up again, to rise again, to prove that you're not just a good person and that you're not just a kind savior and you're not someone who shows just simple compassion and goodness to people. No, you are God because you come back from the dead to be able to give that same life to those who trust you. There's simply no one like Jesus. And as a church today, we, we gather not only with those of you who are members here and those of you who are our guests and friends and those of you who are online, but we gather together with Christians who have been celebrating today for what happened on that Sabbath, that Sunday, years ago. You see, Jesus came back from the dead. And that one thing, that one simple truth separates him from anyone else. I want you to take your Bibles this morning. We're going to turn to the second letter of the Apostle Peter. The second letter of the Apostle Peter. The Apostle Peter was with Jesus in really some of those crucial moments leading up to his crucifixion. Uh, of course, we know Simon Peter is the one who stepped out of the boat and who accomplished things that most of us would only dream of accomplishing. I mean, he walked on water for a moment. I tried that once. Once. Yeah. And, and you think about Simon Peter, who um, he was there when Jesus was transfigured, when Jesus was changed into his eternal state. And he got to see that. And, and he got to hear the voice of God say, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. He is the chosen one. 
I mean, what a great moment. That's better than any Star Wars movie, right? Wow. I mean, he hears the voice of God. He's there and he's able to witness Jesus bringing Lazarus back from the dead. Jesus bringing Lazarus back from the dead. Now, that was probably spooky. You have this mummy come out of a tomb, and he unwraps himself, and it's Lazarus, and he's normal, and he doesn't stink, right? Like, Jesus did that, and only Jesus can do that. And all of those things are a picture of what Jesus will do for you and I and what he could do for our world today for those who would trust him. Jesus is a life giver. Jesus is someone who brings hope to hopelessness. Jesus is someone who changes the narrative for those who trust him. Now, for those who don't, um, the narrative continues the way it always has because the problems of today's world have always been there. It is basic human nature. The Bible gives it a title called sin. You don't have to believe in it or not. You just have to read the news, look at the world, and you see it does exist. Call it what you want, but basic human nature is selfish, broken, destructive, bigoted, hateful. That is flesh. That is humanity. But Jesus flips the script for those who trust him. And, and yes, what he teaches them, who he becomes inside of them, it goes against even their very nature. You know that as a Christian, because even as a Christian, we are not immune from sin, temptation, challenges, and our own fleshly ways, right? We want to lean into that sometimes. But there's something about his presence, his saving presence, his Holy Spirit dwelling in us that just drives us to desire more, to be who God created us to be. And to be better, what is that? That is life. That is the life of Christ that dwells in the children of God. Those who trust him totally by faith. Simon Peter has a word for us today as he wrote this to the church shortly after Christ had gone into heaven. And he writes these words to Christians in a generation that was challenged just like our generation. A matter of fact... At that time, Christianity was actually on the verge of becoming illegal. Now, for some of us, we go, I can't imagine a world like that, and that would cause us to tremble. For some people, they go, yes, that's what I want. I want Christians to be exterminated because then there is no voice of reason or hope. I can do what I want to do, and I can lean into my own strength, ability, intelligence, and way. And therefore, there is no standard other than the standard that people would create for their own selves. Well, that's exactly the world that Simon Peter lived in in his generation. And yet he writes these words. And I believe that today as a church, as a follower of Christ, or as someone who's seeking to know more about him, or you've been questioning your relationship with God, and who is this man, Jesus? What was he all about? Well, Simon Peter writes these words, and I, I think they will help us today. Chapter 3, his second letter, written to the churches, the Christians, that was circled around the Roman Empire of that generation, and he writes this in verse 1. This now, beloved. This now, what he's about to say, he says to the beloved. Those beloved of God through Jesus and those who genuinely, because of Jesus, were beloved to one another. 
Only Christ can break down the walls of our humanity and our flesh and actually, actually cause us to look beyond the things that so often divide us and cause us instead to lean in with love to who we were called to be because of Jesus and for no reason more, only because of Jesus. Beloved, this is the second letter I am writing to you in which I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. So this is interesting. Simon Peter is writing to them and he's saying, I'm simply reminding you of what you already know. You know what it's like to get a reminder? I mean, it means that you already know something, but perhaps you've forgotten it. Maybe it's grown stale or old, and maybe you think it's not relevant anymore. Have you ever felt that way in your faith? Maybe your faith has grown cold, stale. And Simon Peter says, brothers, sisters, beloved, let me stir you up by reminding you of what's really happening and what God truly has done for you. You should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. And know this, first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lust. They will say this, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago. And the earth was formed out of water and by water, through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But by his word. The present heavens and the earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men, women, people. Verse 8. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved. Who's he talking to? The beloved. Those who trust in the Lord. Those who... Maybe we're being challenged in their culture. Maybe we're being fed doubts about Jesus and when he would return and begin to ask questions. Simon Peter says, don't let this fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day, one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. And here's the key verse today. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness. But he is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Let me read that again. That is a beautiful message about the character of God and the desire of Jesus for me, for you, and for all people. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient toward you. Are you thankful for God's patience toward you? He does not wish 
for any to perish. God does not wish for anyone to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Can I pray for you? Father, I thank you for the truth of Christ, the uniqueness of Christ, the patience, the kindness, and the love of Christ, which is truly the only thing that can change us and impact our world. I pray that you will speak by your Holy Spirit to each heart, soften our hearts toward you. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's a lesson if you want to write this down today, something for you to think about on Easter Sunday, 2022. If you want to celebrate what it means to be saved or to know how wonderful this day's celebration really is because of the resurrection of Christ. It is the mercy, patience, and life of Christ that gives us a chance. It gives us a chance to turn to him and be saved. Let me read that again, and perhaps you want to write that down. It is the mercy, it is the patience, and the life of Christ that gives us a chance to turn to him and be saved. It is God's wonderful plan to save people. And in that generation, in a world that was broken then, similar to all the things that we will struggle with today, there was hope, there was life given. And the hope and the life was given is that God is a merciful, loving God. And people will always ask the question about some outlying circumstance so that they can try to malign the character of God. But it doesn't change the character of God. It would be like someone talking about you but not really knowing who you are and making an accusation against you but not really knowing who you are. They can say what they want to say but it won't change who you are. It doesn't matter what people say about God his character is one of deep love and desire to show mercy. Mercy is that character trait whereby we deserve one thing, but in his mercy, he doesn't give us what we deserve. Now, I can look at my life and perhaps an honest assessment of yours, um, you will find something whereby in your life, perhaps you didn't deserve mercy. Maybe it was on that test you were taking and you caught your eyes wandering um, trying to get the answer from someone else. Or maybe, maybe the notes were hidden to try to help you along the way and the teacher saw you. And instead of giving you what you deserved, which was perhaps the zero on the exam or the expulsion from the school, they just said, no, 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 put that away. You can do this. Mercy. It's not what you deserved, but it's what you were given. That's God's character. Love. Only God could love wretched people <laughs> and give them a chance by his patience to turn. The word repentance means to turn. It means to acknowledge, I am going in the wrong direction and it's my direction. But God, you have a better direction for me and I can see that now. You have opened my eyes to understand that. So I am going to turn from the direction that I am going 
in my pride, in my arrogance, in my flesh, in my temptation, in my super knowledge that I think is greater than yours, in my ability that I think will never come to an end, or because of my finance, which I think I can buy my way or influence my way out of anything. It's coming to a point where realizing all of that has an end and God, your way is better. Now I'm going to surrender and trust you. His patience and his love allows us to get to a point where we genuinely can repent. And when we repent and turn to God and his son, Jesus Christ, by faith, we are saved. Only God could do that. That reminder to you and I today is equally as important as it was to the church of that generation. And there are a few things that I think they faced that we face today. So I, I hope that today's Resurrection Sunday message will help you genuinely in your faith, Christian, as you seek to walk in a world where Jesus is unique and where Jesus is the only answer that is going to help our world. Here's the first thing that stands out that they faced then that you and I face today. And we will always face this. Are you ready for this? Haters gonna hate. And doubters gonna doubt. Pastor, that doesn't sound too spiritual. Sound like you got that from Taylor Swift out of a song or something like that, right? But you hear that all the time, don't you? You know, the reality is there are songs written about that. And, and that's a phrase that's used quite often. Perhaps you see it in your social media. What does that phrase do? Basically, that phrase is an excuse used by someone else to shut down the opposing party, their opinion, or even if it was going to be something reasonable by which there could be a dialogue about, it shuts down any conversation with someone else, right? And that's how we see it used in our world today. Ah, oh, haters gonna hate. I'm not talking to them, they're just haters. Whether they're right or wrong, I've shut down the conversation, right? I'm not moving forward with that. Simon Peter, though, helps the church then understand something similar. And you may feel bad about sensing that as a Christian or saying that as a Christian, but Simon Peter actually says, listen, there's always been doubters. And there's always been haters and they're going to come in and they're going to tell you things like the world's just rolling on. God doesn't care. Jesus, if he was coming back, he would have already come back. You know, if knowing Christ and his resurrection was so good, why aren't people more changed by it? Why doesn't the church look different? Why is it so full of hypocrites? Last time I checked, everybody was a hypocrite, right? And then the reality of it is Simon Peter's even taking it one step further. And perhaps you felt this. Perhaps you've heard this. Perhaps you've been challenged by this and you don't know how to answer this. Did he really die? Did he really resurrect from the dead? Why would that question be asked? Did he really resurrect from the dead? Because that just doesn't happen every day, does it, people? I mean, the reality of it is when someone is deceased, truly, they are gone. And so then, even in that generation, there were people who were peddling lies, saying, well, you know, Jesus didn't really die. I mean, he was whipped with a scourge of nine cords, whipped on his back and ripped the flesh where all of the bones in his back and his ribs were exposed. He carried a cross on that back. He was crucified. 
And they broke his legs, right? And they pierced his side with a spear. And blood and water flowed out. But he wasn't dead. He cried out to God, it is finished. That sacrifice on behalf of those who would trust, it is finished. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he breathed his last. But he didn't die. That's what some people would say. Oh, they wrapped him up and embalmed him and put him in a tomb. A tomb that the authorities of the day were so afraid of Jesus. They were so afraid of Jesus and Jesus' people. We're talking trained politicians, trained soldiers, people with religious influence, cultural influence, financial influence. They were so afraid of Jesus, who was not a military general of this world like some of you. He was not a businessman of this world that could peddle bribes and get what he wanted. He wasn't someone who used his strength because he had been doing CrossFit 24-7 to beat people up, right? He, he wasn't that. He was the epitome of God's love in the flesh on earth to show people kindness, forgive them of their sins, paint for them a better way, God's way, and solve the ills of the world through the people that would trust in him. He would forgive sins and change lives. And that's what they were afraid of. Because there's no law that can control that. I mean, you can try, but there's no rule that can overcome that. So they had him crucified. They had him placed in a tomb, a sealed tomb that had the signet of the royal official of the day so that the seal could not be broken and they guarded it with soldiers? Well, why would you go through all that trouble for someone, especially him being dead? And so then they peddled this lie in that generation of saying, oh, his disciples, who were fishermen, by the way, average blue-collar working people, his disciples came and overpowered some train-killing machine soldiers and took his body out of a sealed grave and hauled him off and hid it. Oh, and by the way, those people who did that, they were even willing to die for something that people would peddle back then and say he didn't die or his friends came and got him. They were willing to die for a lie. When's the last time you would have been willing to be crucified upside down as Simon Peter was by church tradition for something you knew was not true? At our basic core as people, we want to defend ourselves. We want to stand for something. But we're not going to do it for a lie very long. It would have come undone. Matter of fact, what year are we in? 2020? It would have come undone a long time ago. But it didn't. Why? Because it's true. And Simon Peter says, do not let this fact escape your mind. I'm reminding you, do not let this fact escape your notice, talking about all of the things that Jesus did to save people. 
Did you still have haters? Yes, you did. Did you still have doubters? Yes, you did. Can I help you with something, church, Christian, person who loves Jesus but is challenged in this world, in your faith, with what you know, with what you've been taught, with the Bible, with the resurrection, with who Jesus was, with all of the questions that are out there. Can I help you with something really quick? Even Simon Peter knew it to be true then and likewise it's true today. Haters are just going to hate. And doubters are just going to doubt. But that doesn't change the truth. And what is the truth? That's the second thing that he points out. God always provides an answer for those who are willing to receive it. God always provides an answer for those who are willing to receive it. Do you know the only thing that ever changes a hater from someone who hates to someone who is changed to love or a doubter from someone who doubts to someone who believes you know the only thing that ever changes that it's not information it's not religion information and religion many times will ruin people and make them worse it's not that do you know what changes a person an encounter with jesus a personal encounter with the resurrected Lord. His name was Doubting Thomas, by the way, in Scripture. And Thomas, he had the same question that the people that Simon Peter were wrestling with and being told, hey, if God were coming back, if he were alive, he'd already be here. And the same is true today. Thomas said, look, unless I see him, unless I encounter him, Unless I'm able to place my fingers in the holes in his hands and feel his side where the spear entered into his side, I'm not believing. A couple days later, he has an encounter with the living Savior, Jesus. And you know what he does? <laughs> my Lord, my God. Jesus says, don't be unbelieving anymore, but be believing, right? There's always an answer for those who are willing to receive it. The difference between someone who's just going to throw up a wall in a reasonable dialogue with someone else about a, maybe a difference of opinion or a difference of thought and have a real conversation about life-changing issues in the world is when you're willing to say, you know what, there's an answer and I'm willing to receive it. There's an answer and I'm willing to have the conversation to get to it. But to throw up a wall and to say, nope, not going to do it, you're doubting you're excluding yourself from perhaps one of the greatest mysteries of life change that could ever happen. And that is an encounter with the living God. For every person that was willing to have an encounter with Jesus, and the same is true of us today. For each of us who has been willing to have an encounter with the living Jesus, he has given us the answers that we need. Salvation for this life and salvation for the next. He is a wonderful, beautiful, different Savior than anyone has ever experienced. And He is the Lord that fulfilled all of the prophets, all of the commandments spoken by the apostles. He is the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God will always give an answer 
for those who are willing and ready to receive it. Are you willing and ready to receive? Or have you ever been willing and ready to receive Jesus, the Son of God, the resurrected Savior for you into your heart and life to change it? God's willing. He's not willing that any should perish, but he's willing to give an answer to anyone who would receive it. Here's the last thing, and I'll close with this. Jesus, when I think about him and what he's done in the resurrection, this last verse tells us about who he is, what he's done, and the desire of God. His promise is patience, life, and salvation. His promise is patience, life, and salvation to who? To anyone who would believe. His promise, God's promise, God's salvation, the work of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, is that he is patient, not willing that any of us should perish, not willing that any of us should experience the results of our own choices, our own destruction. God does not desire that. He is not against you. You may choose to not believe. You may choose to not receive. But it's not his desire for you to be there. He is not against the world. The world's against the world. People are against people. But God's not. God's actually for you. And what's he for? He wants to give life. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all. How many is all? God's desire is that everyone would repent and turn to him, his son by faith. God's desire is that every person would repent and turn to him by faith. That's what God wants. Will that happen? No, because there will always be those who doubt, who come up with their reasons to defend their own position with God. But that's not God's desire. It's not that he desires for them to live there and to be separated from him. His desire is that they would turn to him and experience life. And to receive the life of Christ, to repent and turn to Christ, is to receive the salvation of God, of our souls, the cleansing of our souls, the forgiveness of our sins. But not just that eternal reward. You get the reward today, life today, so that you might actually become a better person. That you might actually make a difference in the world. Now, a lot of people try that and they think that's the way to God. If I'm a better person and I'm a good person, then I will be acceptable to God and he will then save me. But I've never met a perfectly good person. I've never met a perfectly good Christian. They don't exist. You see, God knew that it's not about our goodness, but his. God knew it's not about our nature, but his. God knew it's not about our character, because we're a bunch of characters. But it's about his character. And his character of patience and love and desire to give life to you and I is a gift that 
anyone can receive. All they have to do is be willing to receive and accept the gift of life, the forgiveness of sins, and to ask Jesus to become their Lord and Savior. Let me be really clear. Simon Peter wrote very simply of God's character, God's design, and he reminded the church then, listen, they're going to say, where's Jesus? I think it's a fair question in 2022. Where's Jesus, right? You look at the world, where's Jesus? I mean, why didn't Jesus intervene in Ukraine? Why didn't Jesus intervene in the pandemic? Why didn't Jesus intervene in the cultural wars that we're seeing in our world? Why didn't Jesus intervene? You know what I would say? Where's Jesus? I'm looking at him. He showed up. He showed up through the lives of those who chose to believe in him, to live differently, and to make a difference in Jesus' name because of what he's done for them in their world. That's where Jesus is at work. And Christian, guess what? He's coming back. He will come back again. Simon Peter said, look, they're going to come and they're going to say, Jesus, the world's been spinning. It's going to keep spinning. I don't know how much longer it's going to keep spinning. So I'm not even sure we can say that anymore. But that's what they were saying today. It's just been going on. He's not coming back. There's only one problem with that. John chapter 14, Jesus says this. I'm going to my father's house. And I'm going to prepare a place for you. That where I am, there you may be also. And because I'm going to prepare that place for you, talking to the believers, those who followed him, those who trusted him, I am going there and I will come again. And I will receive you to myself so that where I am, there you may also be. And guess who chimed in at this moment after Jesus gave that, gave that wonderful moving speech about salvation and about faith? Guess who chimed in? Thomas. Jesus, what are you talking about? That sounds good. Where are you going? How do we get there? And how do we really know that's true? And in one of the most beautiful verses of Scripture, John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus gives a very simple response. A response that you and I need today. And it's just as true then as it is today. Just as true today as it was then. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. No person will come to the Father except through me. Doubters are going to doubt. Haters are going to hate, right? But if you're willing to receive, God has an answer for you. And what is the answer that God has for those who are willing to receive it? That his patience and mercy give us the invitation to receive his life within us. The life of the resurrected Savior. And by doing so, we will be saved. Oh, and by the way, we will be with him forever. How about we take a moment and just bow our heads together, prepare our hearts for a moment to do business with God, because perhaps someone in this room, you've had questions, you've had doubts, 
Maybe you have lacked faith to have that personal relationship with God. You haven't known any better. But today, something is happening in your soul. You know it. You hear it. You sense it. Don't deny it and don't run from it. The Spirit of God knows who you are, son and daughter. He knows that His desire is to save you. To have your soul cleansed, your life changed, and the resurrection of Jesus present in you so that you may learn to truly live in this world. If the Spirit of God is saying that to you right now and you've never crossed that line of faith, you've been living a different life, a life on your own, a life of knowledge, but you've never personally surrendered, repented, Turn from yourself and turn to Christ. Then right now, right where you are, as you hear the Spirit of God speaking to you, say thank you to Him. God, thank you for speaking to me. I hear you. Right now, right where I am, in all of my heart, I want to say I'm sorry for not trusting you for not following you and I want to turn from my way right now give me faith saving faith right now as I place my life in your hands Jesus you are the son of God who was promised long ago who gave your life long ago and who came back to life to show me how to truly live and to experience a relationship with you Right now, Jesus, save me. I turn my heart to you. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you meant that child of God, you have entered the family of God. And you have turned from your way to the way of Jesus. You are changed. And we are so grateful because this Easter Sunday, 2022 is your new spiritual birthday as a follower of Christ. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed, Christian, our world needs the life of Christ. It doesn't need another agenda. It doesn't need another financial breakthrough. It doesn't need our intellect to prove that we are better than. It needs the merciful, patient, loving character of God living through you. Let Easter 2022 be for you, Christian, the moment you decided to bloom. Father, I thank you today for this moment that we have to do business with you. Jesus, we feel you. We know your presence is with us through your spirit. We know that you have prepared a place for your children and you're going to come back and you're going to get us. So we trust you. Thank you for changing our lives, for speaking to our hearts and giving us the right direction to walk with you. I pray that even now you will continue to change hearts and minds and lives through your power and yours alone. You're wonderful. We thank you for what you do. God, now we worship you. 
And we praise you for what the resurrection means to us. We pray this together in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen and amen. In front of you, there is a card by which you might want to say, and I would encourage you strongly to do this. Today, I made this decision. Today, I prayed that prayer. Today, I'd like to call this church my church home, my church family. Today, I'd like to learn more about how to connect in community with the people here to grow in my relationship with Jesus. There is a communication card there in front of you. Grab that, use that as a tool, fill that out, and either drop that in the basket on your way out today as a sign of your response because you're saying, God, I hear you. God, I'm listening. And I want that resurrection life in me. So I'm going to take the step. I'm going to actually do something about it. And fill that out and drop that in one of our, with one of our greeters on the way out or our communication desk, our guest welcome desk back there and take that step of faith. Now I want to show you something because it's one thing to talk about it, but it's another thing to see it. What does it mean to go from death to life? What does it mean to go from a moment where you're following yourself to a moment where you no longer matter and Jesus matters more than anything else? Jesus puts a hand on your life, saves you forever, walks with you the rest of your life in good times and in bad, in challenges and in victories. What does that look like? Why is it such a big deal to take that next step and follow Jesus? because of this. Cody's a fifth grader. Uh, me and Cody go way back. I, I've known Cody since he was uh, uh, not tall enough to see over this baptistry. And so it's a, a special day for me to be able to stand here with him. A kid who I've known forever. Um, it, it is a pretty cool moment, isn't it? You see, uh, we got Jumpstart down there in the front. Uh, his family's here today. They're, oh, yeah, see him right there. In the, okay, yeah, they're the loud ones in the front. You know, uh, that's okay. But Cody, we're so excited to celebrate this with you today. Uh, Cody came to me and started talking to me and he said, Pastor Steven, he said, I I've decided to follow Jesus, but I want to know what's next. And we started talking about baptism and diving into what it meant to commit and say, you know what? I want everyone to know what God has done in my life. So Cody said, I want to follow through with that. I want to make a profession and say, you know what? I want everyone to know that I am a follower of Jesus. And so Cody, we're here to do that today. Cody, have you decided to follow Jesus with your life? Yes. Yes, exactly. So we're going to do one thing. We're going to take a picture real quick. So y'all bear with us for a second. We're going to take a picture. We like, we like the before and after. And Cody, on your profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, His Son, Jesus, and the power of the Holy Spirit. 
you're buried with, buried with him in, in baptism and raised to walk in a new life. Man, that's awesome. Wow, congratulations, congratulations, man. Here, let's take one more picture. Man, what a great way to celebrate. But, you know, uh, one of the things that we love here is that there's no better way to celebrate on Easter than not just with one baptism, but with two. So, Pastor Bo, come on in. Yeah, yeah. Get the tag team, get to pass it off. I'm so excited to get the tag team this morning, Pastor Stephen, and I've got my good friend Shayla up here. Shayla, come on into the pool today with us. Would y'all give her a hand as she comes to the pool? Come on. Here's what you got to realize. Kids get excited, but as an adult, Shayla's a little nervous. Can y'all encourage her this morning, right? It's a big deal. See that? Let's get a picture of Shayla's been hanging out with the Calvary family for a little bit now, and she accepted Christ into her life about a year ago. But as we were talking, baptism is one of those things that she never did as a believing adult. And she wanted to do it as a believing adult, someone who wanted to commit to follow Jesus with her life forever. So she wanted to show you that she loves Jesus, that she's resurrected just as he is. And that one day because of his blood, she will go to heaven to be with him. She wants to model that for her family who's here today and also in her life. So she can show the power of Jesus throughout her life. So Shayla, do you believe in Jesus? Yes. Is he your savior and Lord? Yes. Well, on your profession of faith, let's baptize you. Turn around here. On your profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. You're buried with him in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. That's your friend right there. See that? They're all full. Proud of you. We have this to show you whether you're a believer and you've been baptized to encourage you. Jesus is alive, but also for you that come in checking out faith today, maybe just came because it's Easter. This is the power. Jesus' blood washes you and the power of being in baptism. He launches you forward by public profession to live your life. Pastor, I'll give it back to you. That's what it's all about. Stand to your feet if you're not already. What a great reminder of the resurrection life of Christ that dwells in those who believe. Be a believer, not a doubter, right? Be a lover, not a hater. Follow the Lord and watch what he will do. Perhaps today you witness that and you go, I missed that step. Well, then take that communication card, write that down. Let's get you registered, signed up, talk to you about Jesus, your relationship, and let's get baptized so that you can have a public profession of what Christ has already done privately in your life and be able to launch forward.